Lord, we just thank you and, and love you, and we just thank you that we can be content with what you've given us and learn to just be content. Lord, we ask you to lead and guide as we open the word and to see what you'd have us to see from it. In your son's precious name, amen. amen. Psalm 71. We're going to read the whole psalm, and then we'll come back to where we left off last week. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness, and cause me to escape. Incline your ear unto me, and be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and the cruel man. For you are my hope, O Lord God, you are my trust in, from my youth. By you have I been holden up from the womb. You are he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually for of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but you are my, a, my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when, your strength fail, when my strength fails. For my enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait in my, for my soul take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for, for my help. Let them be confounded and, and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and, and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth your righteousness and your salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of, my, of your righteousness, even of, your, of you only. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared your wondrous works. Now also I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have shown your strength unto this generation and your power to everyone that is to come. Your righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things, O God? Who is like you? You which have shown me great and, and sore troubles shall quicken me again, and you shall bring me up again into, from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and my comfort, on, on, comfort me on all sides. I will praise you with the psaltery, even your truth, O my God. Unto you will I sing with the harp, O you Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto you, and my soul which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. Last week we left off at verse 2. So we're going to take a start at verse 3. Be you my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. You have con given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Again, we're looking at this picture of God as our defense. And it's wonderful. That I, I love that God is our defense. And he says, and this verse talks about, you are my strong habitation. You are my strong fortress, my strong tower. And it says, thereunto I may continually resort. I can run to, I can hide, I can just stay in you. And the more we stay in God, the more he protects us, the more he is the one that keeps us. And it's very important for us to really, truly understand this. And we're going to see, we see this theme all through Psalms. God is our defense. He is where we go when, when things get hard, we run to him. And you, we think about Jesus and the, and the disciples. They were in the boat crossing the, the lake, uh, lake, uh, lake of Galilee. <laughs> and the storm brews up. And the, and the disciples run to him and say, you know, don't you care that we are drowning? And we're, you know, we're, we're dying. We're perishing. And remember, you know, a lot of people, and he gets up and he, says, he rebukes them for their lack of faith. But you want to think about this. These, many of these guys were seasoned fishermen when they were saying that they are found are, are sinking they knew what they were talking about okay they were literally 
in the point of drowning. And Jesus says, hey, we said, said we were going to the other side. What are you so worried about? Is, is really kind of an interesting statement to us when we think about it. God is our defender. What do, what do we really want to worry about? What do we really want to care about? Because he is our defense. And, the, you know, it's been, we've talked about this a lot. God says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for us. And we want to be able to learn to do that. Learn to just cast our cares on him. Because I've seen so many people that, that worry themselves sick. And maybe even into an early grave because they worry so much. And God says, cast them on him, run into him as a defense, and let him deal with it. And if we learn to do that, there's a lot more peace in life. And verse 4 says, deliver me, O God, oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. So David knew where to go. He goes, God, you're my deliverance. You are my rescuer. You are my deliverance. You are the one that cares for me. And God can deliver us from anything. Why? Because he's in control of everything. <laughs> okay? We, we've got to remember God is in control. Nothing comes our way except God allows it. And we've said this over and over. The one thing you're never going to hear from God is, I never knew that was coming. That, I didn't, that surprised me. I, I mean, you know, or, or whoops, I didn't know that was coming your way. He knows everything that's coming our way. And he knows how it's going to be used for good. Okay, and that's Romans 8.28. For all things work together for good for those that are called according to the purpose of God. <coughs> and remember that verse doesn't say it is good. It says it works for good. He's going to use all things. And we want to remember that always. God doesn't say that everything that comes our way is good. And, you know, because there is pain. There is hurt. There is sorrow. There are things that, that are not good, that we're not going to think is good. But he says he will, they are for good. And sometimes it means that we can use it to comfort others in the future. Sometimes it is just to learn to allow God to give us peace. We never know exactly what it is, but God's going to use everything that comes into our life for good. And again, we, I always emphasize this. It's not saying it is good. Okay? When, when somebody's child dies, that is not good. Okay? But God will use it for good. And I listened to a pastor named Greg Laurie who will be listening to you know, on Harvest America in, in uh, March. He lost his son. And there's no way he'll ever tell you that it was good that he lost his son. But he's been able to minister to a lot of people who have lost children because they know he has gone through what they've gone through. So God has used it for good. He's able to give them the comfort of life still goes on. And God is still going to use you even though this has happened. And we look at this and David's saying, deliver me, God. Deliver me from the wicked from the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel people. And this is the one thing I keep trying to tell people over and over. The world is full of unrighteous and cruel people. Okay? Everybody out there, everybody in this world is a sinner, including the Christians you meet. And they will be cruel sometimes. And if we are looking at the fact that we know that everybody is a sinner, it makes it a whole lot easier to deal with them when they mistreat us because we know that that's what they are. And what we look at is when we get nice people in our life, then we can go, okay, yes, this person is nice. But even, but just a little warning, even nice people eventually will say something mean or cruel, even though, and even though they may not mean it, they can be cruel and, and mean. And this is where we need to be careful of. God says, He's the one that we rely on. He's our defender. He's the one that we're going to use as our defense. And Because in verse 5 it says, For you are my hope. O oh my Lord God, you are my trust from my youth. He knows that God is the one he can hope in. He puts his expectation in God. If we put our expectation and hope into other humans, we will be disappointed. 
at some point, no matter how good they are, no matter how nice they are, no matter how good a Christian they are, if we put our hope in some individual on this world, we will become disappointed because they will let us down. God is the only one that we can truly hope in completely. He will be our defense. He will be. And David says, you know, God, you've been my defender since my youth. And we go back to when he was raised up to be king and he went before Saul to, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm just a shepherd boy and you know, I took care of my sheep. You know, I fought the lions and the bears. God, I, I trusted in you to, to take, beat these animals. And from his youngest days, he, he praised God. You know, some of us can say we praised God from very young age. Some of us have to say, well, I didn't get to know God until I was much older. But wherever you're at with it, keep trusting God. Keep trusting God from that day forward because he is our only hope. He is our only, our only link. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, By you have I been held up from the womb, you are he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I love this. My praise shall be continually of you. David recognized that God was in control from the beginning. And God is in control from the beginning of life for everyone. Whether they're a Christian or not, doesn't matter. He is in control of all life. And he is going to keep and deliver He's going to keep everybody continuing. I love this when David said, Your praise, my praise shall be continually of you. Do we spend time praising God? The more time we spend praising God, the more we're going to be focused on Him. And I've shared this so many times. And when I was working in restaurants, which can be a very high-pressure job as a, ma as a, as a manager, it's, it's always in the top 10 most pre pressure-filled jobs. There were times when I would just get away for a moment or two so that I could just sing a praise song or pray for just two or three minutes, five minutes, and my focus of my mind would go back on God and it would change the whole day. And, you, know, you have a bad day, you, you focus back on God because that helps us to get through because we, we, by praising Him, by coming to Him, we're saying, God, you're my deliverer. You're my, you're my fortress. You're my strength. God, help me. That's running into him for, for that defense. And once we're back on, focused on him, things go much smoother. And it's amazing to me how many times I've sat there and I've, you know, you, if your eyes are focused on God, you're hiding in him, the storm of your life beats upon you, but it's not beating upon you because you're in the fortress. You're hiding. You're hiding. And you know, it's a great thing to do to hide in Christ. He has not ever asked us to go out and stand on our own against the enemies. He says, I am your defender. I am your shield. I am your buckler. I am your fortress. I am your refuge. All these words that talk about him being our defense. All we do is hide. Hide in him. Which makes living the Christian life if you really are living it according to the Bible, it's a very simple life. Because all I do is go to God and I hide. <laughs> you know, I, I hide, you know, you know, if you do that in real life, people call you a coward. But you know what? A lot of times in these military battles, they ran into the fortress and just stayed in the fortress until they could get enough troops to, together to attack. But they would oftentimes basically hide. <laughs> Hide in their defensive positions to get, you know, until they get some army gathered around them. God is telling us, I am the place you are to hide. Now, if you want to live a hard life, a hard Christian life, keep going out of getting outside of God and trying to do it on your own. The more you do it on your own, the more beat up you're going to get. He wants to be the one that does the battle. Jesus said, take my yoke. My yoke is easy and light. Okay, and he says he's, he wants to take our burdens on himself because he already has. On the cross, he took our burdens. 
We just have to learn to give them to him and take his yoke. And he says it's easy and light. He takes the weight and he goes forward with us. And again, it's a picture of how easy the Christian life is to live when done right. If I'm sitting there striving to, to live like Christ and to be Christ, I'm going to fail. Because my flesh is going to fail. My flesh is going to get involved. People have a hard time. When you witness to people, the hardest thing you've got to get them to get through is they can do nothing to get saved. They just admit that they're a sinner deserving punishment and receive the gift. But the flesh always wants to come up and say, I need to do something. <laughs> you know, I have to do something to earn this. And it doesn't want to just accept a free gift. And you can see that oftentimes. People expect gifts on their birthday or Christmas, but try to give somebody a gift when it's not a major occasion in their life. And a lot of times you're going, what is this so far? You know, how do I, why do I want this? What, why are you giving me this? Flowers are nice. But the key on this is that God keeps us, and he's in control from the earliest time, and we need to praise him. We need to keep in praising him. We need to get into his word. We need to just thank him. We need to be looking at <laughs> praising Verse 7, as I wander unto many, as I wonder unto many, but you are my strong refuge. So he's back to the fact that, you know, he's my strong defense. Verse 8, let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your honor all the day. And this to me means we need to look at what we say and what we do each day. What is our conversation like when we're with people? And... We're not, you know, I'm just asking you to think about that at some point. What is your conversation like with your family, with your workers, with your, your, the people you come in contact with each day? Would they think that you're, a, think and know that you're a Christian, or they, will they think that you're just like every other person, and that never talks about God? You talk about the weather, your favorite sports team, your hobby, uh, all these different things, or you spend time worse complaining about everything <laughs> to them. And there's lots of people out there that are always complaining. And God is saying, let my mouth be filled with your praise. David is saying basically the same thing Jesus said, that out of the abundance of our heart we speak. And if we look at our life, and it's sometimes, sometimes we want to look at our life and say, what am I saying to other people? When I am talking to them, who is being lifted up? Am I, is the world being lifted up or is Jesus being lifted up? Am I speaking contentment in life or am I speaking death over people and with people? And people who are complaining, everybody knows you don't want to be around complainers all the time. You know, they're, they, they're depressing people. You know, if all they can do is complain about everything, and I'm not saying we can, that we're never going to get through with, without complaining. I mean, that happens. But if our, the bulk of our communication is complaints, how bad is this? How bad are they? Or how bad is this thing happening to me? You know, or are we lifting God up and saying, look what God's doing. And hopefully we can look at our life and say, God is doing something in our life. And we want to, if, if we're seeing God work in our life, then we're going to be talking about him. You know what God did yesterday? Do you know what God said to me through the word? Do you know what God did to bless me yesterday? You know, and we share with people and we say, wow, this is what he's doing. I got blessed with a little part-time job yesterday to just make a little extra money. And may, it may lead into a, another part-time job where I'll make a lot of money. Who is a possibility. You, know, you talk about what God's doing to bless. <laughs> you know, how much do we look at what God's doing? If you look at your life and you say God's not blessing you, you either got to change the way you're thinking about your life or you get closer to God, get into God's plan and, and be in Him so that He can bless you. Because if you're not seeing any blessing and you're honestly not being blessed, then you got to look at your life and say, why? God, you're either punishing me for something I've done or you're testing me like you did Job or He's just plain out preparing you for something worse in the future. So you better learn how to say thank you for what you're at now. But it is so important. Now this word when it says, let my mouth be filled, 
that word is a passive saying, God, you fill it. I'm not trying to fill my mouth. It's God filling my mouth. That's what he's doing mine. He's filling my mouth. Mm -hmm. Well, it's wonderful when you start talking about God and you start witnessing to people. And all, next thing you know, you know, and I've said this, and people probably think I'm crazy when I say this in church, but there's oftentimes when I'm preaching or teaching, when I sit down and I'm almost just listening to myself speak, and it's not me speaking because I know it's God, and I'm just sitting back like, wow, this is kind of interesting. Well, mine's not really witnessing. Mine is more of praising him and what he has done for me, mm -hmm. what he's doing for me, what yep. I tell him. You know. Yep. Verse 9. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength fails. So David's saying, God, keep using me. Keep using me. You know, when I get old, I don't want to be, you know, thrown aside and, and not used by you. But God, keep using me. And I hope that's our prayer. As the older mm -hmm. we get, we just want to say, God, keep using me. I am now doing what I want to do until the day I die. I keep using yeah. me to keep my body healthy so I can keep doing it. <laughs> and I am like many pastors and preachers who've said they would love to just, if they're going to die, they want to die while they're preaching and teaching people. Die what you love. Do what you want yeah. to do and just enjoy it so much. And, you know, I tell, I tell pastors that I teach five times a week and they look at me like I'm crazy. And I'm going, I just love, I love to teach God's word. That is what I find pleasure in. And that is what I know helps people grow. So I'm going to keep teaching and keep teaching and keep teaching. Because I want people to learn God's word. I'm just, I want to keep learning and learning and learning and learning. There's so much I need to learn because I'm at the very early stages of well, it's amazing to me that after 44 years, I still find lots of new stuff in God's Word. You know, you'll, never, you'll never run out of stuff to learn from this book. Like, I'm just so good, because I've never really read a book. So I'm in First Peter now. Oh, good. I'll be finished first time ever read the whole Bible. Very good. <laughs> and I'm going to do it again now. When it starts over, I want to do it again. And that's where we're going to keep encouraging everybody to just keep reading the Word. And then, then take it to the next step and learn to study His Word. Because there's a big difference. I mean, by reading the Word, anybody who's reading the Word on a consistent get through the whole Bible in the year, they're, they're further along than most Christians because most Christians have never read the Bible from cover to cover. Most Christians have read their favorite verses exactly. or, or they have their favorite yeah. book or they, they'll read one day and not the next. It doesn't really matter. You know, and they kind of just open the Bible and read wherever and, and they end up reading the same verses over and over. But there is so much in God's Word and the more you read it, the more He starts connecting it all together and, and more, more of it that makes sense. But then if you can take it to the next step of learning to study. And really get in there and, and make it real and to tear it apart. And that's why I try to make our Bible studies the beginnings of that. Here's how you get in this. This is what you look at when you start to look at this. How does it really apply to life? Because you can read this book just like any other book. You know, Whether you're reading Shakespeare or the, or the Founding Fathers documents or, you know, the, any, any mystery story or whatever it is you like to read, you can read the Bible just like that. Oh, I'm just going to read through it. And that's how we need to be reading it. That God, what is it you want me to see from this? And we, when we're reading it, we really want to go to God and say, God, I, show me what it is you want me to learn today. Whatever it is you're reading, God, what is it you want me to learn today? It's only what I've been reading now each day because I've it something to do with the day that I'm going. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, I, teach, I teach through the books of the Bible, and yet everything I teach is very relevant to what we're going through here at the church. And it's just amazing when you look at this, because it was written, you know, in the case of where we're at now, 2,000 years ago, and yet it's very relevant to what we're doing yeah, today. Verse 10, For my enemies speak against me, and they that lay in wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him, persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. When people come against you, they're coming against you because you appear weak in, in their eyes that you've been forsaken by God. And the key to this one is that God hasn't forsaken us. 
Our enemies may think so. Our enemies may think that we're weak because we're hiding in God. We're not defending ourselves. We're letting God defend us. But God has not forsaken us. And this is so important for us to be able to hold on to. God does not forsake us. When we, and, I, and I love looking at Job. You know, Job could have said, God's forsaken me. But he says, you know, and I love what he said to his wife, you know, are we going to accept blessing from God and not, and not these, these problems? <laughs> yeah. And this is very critical. How do we look at what's going on? Are we going to say, God, you've forsaken me, you've forgotten me, or are we just going to grab hold of God and say, God, I, you know, and I say very clearly, and I have done this, God, I don't understand, but you've promised it's for good, so I'm going to hold on to that promise. I don't understand it, you know, but you said it's for, for good. I'm going to hold on to that. And sometimes that's all we can do. You know, I, love, I love the picture of the, uh, the poster I saw one time, and it says, when, when you get to the end of the rope, end of the rope, hold on tight. <laughs> and sometimes that's all you can do is grab hold of a verse in the Bible and say, God, this is your promise. I'm holding on to this promise because this is all I've got. And this is why we want to memorize Bible verses, want to learn the, the promises of God. We want to learn these things so when, when we have hard times, we have something to grab hold of. And when I quote... Uh, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, which is only the first part of the verse, but he wants to kill my flesh. He wants my flesh to be dead so that I live in him, that I live in him. And sometimes having our flesh crucified hurts. Matter of fact, it almost always hurts. We, you know, because the crucifixion is not a fun thing. Having our flesh killed is not a fun thing to us. And yet, the thing is, I live through it. Because God is the one that gives me the life to go through. And the more of my flesh that is crucified, the more that I can live a godly life because God lives through me. And I learn to not be so grieved when people attack me. I learn to let God be my defense. I learn to... Learn to be content because he starts crucifying. The only problem is there's so much flesh that he has to crucify that he's going to be doing it for the rest of our life. And he's going to find new areas to crucify and say, just relax, live in me. And this is, this is when our enemies come against us. They say, I love this where it says in verse 11, for there is none to deliver him. Uh, and... Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you thought there was none to deliver? Uh, if, if not, be ready because it will happen sometime when so much happens to you that if you're not focused on God, there's almost that despair. And we've got to stay focused on God. It is just something we must do is stay focused on Him or we're going to be torn apart. Because if we try to walk around in our own strength, we'll fail. We'll always fail in our own strength because God will not let our flesh stand before him. If it's our own strength, we will, we will end up being destroyed because God is not going to let our flesh live. He wants to see it fall. And then verse uh, 12. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. hurt. David's saying, God, go get them. <laughs> yeah. Reproach. Reproach. Uh, reproach is scorn, disgrace. But David is saying, God, come quickly. I'm going to hide in you. You're my fortress. You're my, you're my shield. You've been my strong refuge. And he says... And basically saying, God, go get them. <laughs> you know, we talked about confounded means to, to feel the shame. And, you know, God, help them feel the same. Consume them that are my adversaries. Let them be covered with reproach, which means shame and dishonor that seek my hurt. David's saying, God, you're going to get them. And I've seen this over the years, over and over and over again. When a godly person is attacked... And they just hide in God and let God be their defense. I have seen God hurt and destroy the people that have come against them. And 
it's a very humbling thing to see when God does this. Mm-hmm. It's also a scary thing to see when God does this. You know, when you go after a godly person and you see somebody go after a godly person, God's going to bring them to shame. He's going to rebuke them. He is going to really take and see that they are disciplined and for what they've done. And David says in verse 14, but I will hope continually and will yet praise you more and more. Is that our response when we get into hard troubles? Do we praise God more and more? Or do we grumble and gripe? And I've seen great strides in people in this church who have grown greatly, who are doing more praising God more and more and less grumbling and griping when bad things happen. And, and yet there's always room for that, in, that improvement. You know, have you ever told God thank you for the hard things in your life? You know, and the key is, I hope so, because it is something, it, it sounds strange to do, but he's doing something in your life and he's trying to work something out. And so we start praising him and saying, God, thank you. Yeah. You're just trying to get me tougher. You're making me tough. You're me up. You're getting me ready for the next trial that's coming down the road. You're, you're not trying to hurt me. You're not trying to destroy me. You're trying to make me stronger and ready for the next. Well, you can wait for the next trial a little bit longer, okay? Not ready. <laughs> and that's a valid prayer. That's a valid prayer at times, God. Okay, I understand this is making me stronger, but can we wait for the next one a little bit? You know, because you look at somebody like Job. Job had everything taken away from him in the space of not even a few minutes. You know, he says the guy was announcing the loss of his of his cattle when the guy came and your crops are being destroyed, and they're still talking, and the next guy comes and says. You know, your, their, your family's, you know, your, your children were all in the house and the storm knocked down their house and they're all dead. You know, and all these body blows to him, you know, in, in rapid succession. So sometimes I can understand that. Yes, sometimes it may be, God, you're strengthening me, you're getting me ready, but could you maybe wait to the, the little while for this? But God's going to bring it in his time. Thank you, God, you're not genuine. You did your job. Thank you. Well, Very few people have ever suffered like Job has suffered. Very like Very few people have suffered like Job has suffered. But the key on this is, are we praising God for things that happen to us, or do we complain? When we're praising him, we're saying, God, I know you're in control, and this is for, your, and this is for good. And we get prepared for the next trial. And, and I know I've depressed people at times, when we pass through one trial, it's just getting us ready for the next one down the road, which is going to be a harder trial. Because he's, he's toughened us up. He's made us grow. And the next trial will be tougher. And the next trial after that will be tougher. But he does also the same thing when he's teaching us to serve him. Nobody ever starts preaching to millions of people on the first time they preach. Now, you're not a Billy Graham going out and teaching millions of people you know, on TV and in stadiums until you have started at the bottom. You know, you've started at the, at the church with five people in it and, and given them the message. You, know, you started with 30 people, 40 people, and God grows you and teaches you lessons because there's lessons you need to learn to be ready to take on the bigger tasks. And it's the same thing in the workforce. Most people do not come onto a job and start, you know, you don't, you don't walk into a company and start out as president. Okay, and even the ones who started, you walk into a new company as president, it's because they've had the experience somewhere else of being a president and working their way. You know, unless, you, unless your family owned the company, and even if they owned the company, you usually started out taking the trash out when you were, when, when you were a child, and you, you worked the lines as a teenager. You, know, you don't usually start out as the boss. <laughs> Just because your family owned it, you 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 work you worked every job in the factory. You you worked every job in the business. That's just like in the restaurant. Everywhere. Clean the laser. I didn't have to take out the guy. <laughs> Clean the oven. I, I did it all. Then I... Right. 
You learn to grow into a position. Now, when you switch jobs, you've already grown in it from other places. You can start, you can start out with that experience. But God's the same way. He's not going to say, okay, uh, we're just going to drop you into being the head pastor of, the, of a 40,000 know, member church because you want to be a pastor. No, he's going to say, show me that you can teach. And you may start out as a Sunday school teacher of a whole bunch of bratty kids that are testing your patience every time. Uh, and then he says, okay, you've shown me you can do a little bit, you can handle that. Let me, let me take you up to... Instead of bratty kids, we'll put you into crazy teenagers, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, but he brings you up and he teaches you. He puts you into a small Bible study group in a home or something where you can start practicing teaching adults. But he, bra- he raises you up. And, you know, something I'll tell you, all the different things I've done to teach people over, over the last, last years to get ready for being a pastor. I've done a lot of teaching of a lot of... A lot of different Bible studies, home Bible studies, Sunday school classes, all these things that have been saying, here's how you learn to minister. Here's how you learn to, to reach people. And those, all those lessons came, combined into, this is now your chance to grow. And so what does God have in my future? Who knows, but we're, we're going to see this church grow. We're going to see this church grow in a mighty way, and we're going to see Chloride do great things for God because this is what God's plan is. I had one lady ask me if you still do home Bible studies. <laughs> home Bible studies. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty tough right now. <laughs> all right, verse 15. My mouth shall show forth your righteousness and your salvation all the day long, for I know not the number thereof. He doesn't know how long his life is. David's fairly old at this point. We're going to see as we go on. He doesn't know how much longer he has, but I love what he says. My mouth shall show forth your righteousness and your salvation. When we are speaking to people, are we praising God? Are we showing his power, his righteousness? Hopefully we are. And, and I love it, and I really truly want people to grab hold of this. When you start speaking for God and you start com, com, you know, lifting him up, he will be speaking through you so often. And you, know, you might say, well, I don't know what to say. Well, that's good. Jesus told his disciples, you're not going to know what to say, but I will fill your mouth. The Spirit will fill your mouth. And so often, God will fill your mouth. All, you got, all he wants you to do is open it. <laughs> Start a conversation and then watch him work. All right, verse 16. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, even of yours only. And I love this. David's saying he's going to be lifting up God. You know, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. And this is what we do. When we're speaking to people, we go in the strength of the Lord God. He speaks with us. He speaks through us. He gives us the words to speak. He will guide us. And it is amazing when you start talking to people how God will guide your words and how God will, will, will work with it. And, it says, and then he says, I will make mention of your righteousness. And this is important. When we're talking to people, are we talking about the power of God? You know, and how his story... And those, you know, we, tell, we need to tell the story of how God has brought us to Christ. It's amazing to me you know, that I love to listen to people's testimonies. I love to hear how people came to Christ. I, I have grew up trying to go to church when I was young because nobody in my family went to church. And I was looking for truth and I wanted to find church. And I would go to, I would go to the nearest church as a little kid. You know, who knows what churches I went to because I didn't know any better. But I would go to a church, whatever was close by. And when I was 10 years old... I heard the message of the gospel with my ears and understood it. I knew that I needed God at 10 years old. We can't deny these, these, the power of God. When we have these kids coming to church, who knows what their God's going to do with them when he gets hold of them? Who knows what God's going to do with each one of us because he's got hold of us? We all have a story and a message that is going to be of value to somebody. It wants to hear, how did you come to Christ? When did you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? How did it change your life? And that's our testimony. We, come, we tell people how you came to Christ, and they can't argue with you. They can't tell you, no, it didn't happen. You were there. <laughs> you were there. You know your story. You know how you came to Christ. So that is part of your story. When I was 10 years old, I realized I was a sinner that, that needed Jesus Christ. 
sitting in a junior church with all the other kids, with a pastor standing in front teaching. And I went forward and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. How did it change my life? Oh man, did it change my life. I, I lost the most of my temper. You know, and I've already shared with how excited I was and didn't know anything and brought all these people to get on the bus with me the next Sunday because I didn't know all the answers, but I knew they needed, needed to hear the message, so we took them to church. Okay, If we don't know the answers, then get them to church. Get them to somebody who knows them, but give them what knowledge you do have. You know, whatever knowledge you do have, let people know that they need God. And it keeps saying, I will raise up God. I will raise up his righteousness. I will raise him up. Verse 17, O God, you have taught me from a youth, and hitherto I have declared your wondrous works. And David is going, I've learned, God, you, you've been teaching me for, for, since I was a young man, a young child, and I declare your wonders, your wonders. And again, we come back to how often are we declaring God? Do we declare him to others? Do we tell him about what he's doing? And this is why I challenge us in the church. We need to speak to other Christians. If we can't tell other Christians what God's doing in our, in our life, we're not going to be able to teach, tell the world what God's doing in our life and the blessings that he's given us. And if you're not seeing blessings in God, you need to look at your life and say, God, what is wrong? Am I not looking after you more? Do I know you? That may be your first question. Do I truly know you? Or am I being stubborn and not letting you be in control? Either way, there's a problem. If you're not seeing the blessings of God, you've got problems that needs to be dealt with. Now, am I going to say you're going to be super rich and all that? No, but you need to be looking at the blessings. I love it when Sharon comes in and she says, I've had a rough week, but God brought in a person who bought just enough stuff to pay the bills. Okay, That is a great testimony that she keeps bringing in, that God is meeting her needs, even when it looks rough sometimes, and then all of a sudden, one or two people or her shop will fill up one day. So, but it's lifting up God, and I love that testimony because it is God reaching out and touching. And we, are we lifting him up? Are we being blessed by him? <coughs> Verse 17, oh God, you have, oh, excuse me, 18. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until I have shown your strength to, the, to this generation and your power to everyone that comes. And I love this. When I am old and gray-headed, <laughs> I'm turning very gray. <laughs> I have no but he says, forsake me not until I've shown your, you to this generation. My brother, the one that's up, that came up here, Danny, he's a year younger than me, and he has gray hair and yours. But then, like I see, he has six kids, and I have zero. Well, that's what I used to tell my kids. You, you, you guys have helped me earn every gray hair in my head. Well, I had a dog that helped me earn my gray hair. Verse 19, your, your, your righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things? O God, who is like unto you? Again, he's lifting up God. God is great. And, and David understood that. And again, my question is, do we lift him up? Are, is he so centered in our life that he is what we talk about? And we know that he is the one that gives us blessings. And we give him that praise. We give him that honor. Because it is so wonderful. You know, I, I love it when, when I get people in our church saying, I've learned to tithe and I've been blessed because I'm tithing. I've learned this from this and it's been a great blessing. These kind of things excite me to see that people are growing with God and learning to do God and watching God be faithful. And it's wonderful to see God being faithful to these people, to the people that are being listening to him. Verse 20, you which have sh showed me great and sore troubles has quickened me and shall bring me again from the depths of the earth. I love that. God, you who have shown me great and sore troubles. You know, this is kind of interesting. David, and you think about David's life, he had a lot of hard time in his life. He's being chased all over the kingdom by Saul before he becomes king. He gets chased all over the kingdom by Absalom, his son, when he 
when his son tries to rebel against him. He has all these troubles, and then yet he goes, God, you're still there. You've quickened me, which means make alive. God, you, he has made me alive. He has brought me from the depths of sorrow. Do you feel that way when everything's going against you, knowing that God gives you life? Gives you life. You get into the word. You get into the body of Christ. And it's very important that when, when troubles are coming our way, get into the Bible. And I can tell you what I have seen habit, habits of people over the years, when things get hard, they stop reading the Bible, they stop praying, they stop coming to church, and then they wonder why everything seems to be going wrong. Because they, they walk away from God, and God's saying, stay here. <laughs> get, you know, when things get bad in your life, get more into the Bible, get more into God's people, with God's people, get more into church, and watch how God changes things. If we pull away from him, Satan wins for a temporary time, and, and we get miserable, and we get bitter, and we, we withdraw, and God's, God's still saying, get over here. You're supposed to be over here. You're supposed to be in the God's word. You're supposed to be in with God's people, because God's people will give us strength. Now, Everybody in the church is not going to be kind and nice and everything, but the Christians are going to reach, reach their arms out and say, I love you. Come on, let's keep, let's keep following him. Let's, 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 you know, let's keep focused on God. And we get into his word, and we listen to the songs that we sing in the, in the services. We get into God's word, and we watch and say, wow, my God is great. My God is wonderful. And we and we and he takes and he we hide in him and and we watch him solve our problems, and it's so wonderful. God wants to solve our problems for us. When he throws all these hardships at us, and we hide in him, and he just wades through the wades through the problems, or do we stand out there? And then the greatest picture is if there was a thunder and lightning storm and and rain coming down really hard. The the the, the water's running down off the hill and in two or three inches deep. Are you going to stand out there like an idiot in the rain? <laughs> or are you going to get inside a house <laughs> and be protected? So many people stand out in the storms of life like an idiot instead of hiding in God. You know, and God's saying, the door's right here. Come on in. Come on in. And go, no, God, I kind of like being beat up in the rainstorm. <laughs> Having the, the, the ground washed out from under my feet. I kind of like it out here. Just, you, know, you keep your door. You keep your dry, hot, room, you know, warm room. Now, do we actually say that to God? Not necessarily, but we do in the way we act. Saying, I just want to stand out here and be beat up. And God's saying, come on in. I'm your defense. Verse 21. You shall increase my greatness and, and comfort me on every side. I will also praise you with the psaltery. Even your truth, O oh my God, will I, unto you will I sing with the harp, O oh you Holy One of Israel. You will increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. God raises us up. God is the one that will raise us up. But I love this even more. He will comfort us on every side. Because we hide in him, we have comfort. We can be comforted. And you know what? God, God increases us. We may not understand how he increases us, but it's wonderful when you start following God, you start depending on God, and then you start hearing these little comments about you. That person really has their life put together. That person seems to be, be strong. I don't understand it. Or they might even come up to you. Why do you have, you know, how can you handle all these things going on in your life? And it opens up those doors to give God the praise and lift him up. And then we want to be able to praise him. Praise him. Now, most of us probably can't play a sultry or a harp, but God still says praise him. You know, we can, we can sing. God says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It doesn't have to be pretty as far as God's concerned. He just wants to be, he's looking for us to turn around and praise him. And it may be in song, it may be in, you know, maybe you're a poet and you like to write poetry or, you know, and it can be as simple as, God, I'm just so glad you're my God, you know, thank you. 
you know, just be able to look at him. And it says, verse 23, My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto you, and my soul which you have redeemed. He redeemed us. Our lips need to praise him. He, we need to verbalize what's going on in our, you know, how much God loves us and keeps us. When we speak it, it changes things. Because what we speak will show where our heart's at, and it always will. We may be able to trick people for a short time by saying what they want to hear, but I can guarantee I've been around people long enough. You hang around with somebody long enough, you'll know what's important to them. What do they speak about? Do they speak about God? Do they speak about their problems? Do they speak about how miserable life is? Or are they speaking how great life is because God is, is blessing them? And we've all been around. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You're around somebody long enough, you know what's important to them. What do they speak? How do they talk? When, when, you know, and I've been around pastors who speak great messages and then you get around with them and it's like, you know, God doesn't seem very important to you outside of the pulpit. You know, you know, I don't want to say that to them, but I'm li when I'm listening to them, they're talking about everything but God. And it's like, I don't understand this. Yeah. If you hang around me very long, you're going to have me talking about God. Because that's what's important to me. You know, I can talk about other things and be, be I can talk to you about world, world politics and, and the elections and and the sports and all of that, but at some point I want to bring God into the, I want to bring life into the, into the conversation. I want to talk about what God is doing because he's important to me. And I get into his word and he's important for me to lift him up and to share him with people because it's so important. And then the last two verses, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto you and my soul which, which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. And I love this. My tongue shall talk of your righteousness all the day. What was in the middle of David's heart? What was the, the, the treasure of his heart? You see it right there. God and God's righteousness. All that God's doing for him. Even though he had these complaints, people are against me, God. Uh, it seems like the world's against me. God, I want to I lift you up. I want to praise you. Because you are my defense. And this is where we're to be. When everything seems to be going against us, okay, God, thank you. <laughs> I don't understand it, but God, you, you, you are righteous. Uh, you are, you're, you're in control. I'm just going to talk about you, God, because my life is miserable and going wrong. But God, I want to praise you. Where is the abundance of our heart? What do we speak about? And learn... Because the greatest testimony you're going to ever have people to give of you is that person sure knows God. That person knows God. Listen to them tell, talk about God. They may not understand it. They may think that you're strange. They may even think that you're totally lost it because you're not being beat up and, and complaining about all the things that are happening to you. But God is gracious and they will see that he is great and, and serving Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word and for, your, for the, how much you love us. Lord, that you love us so much, you just tell us, hide in you and let you do all the defending. You do all the, the protecting of us. And that makes life so simple for us as Christians that we just hide and let you be our defense. And we want you to do the, do the, do the work of protecting us. We live our life, we go about serving you in the best that we can, and we, we talk about you, and we lift you up in the, as, from the abundance of our heart. And we just thank you in Jesus' name, amen.